Welcome to Speaking of Service, the podcast that uncovers practical ways to grow service revenue, control costs, and improve customer satisfaction. If you're looking to innovate, gain a competitive edge, or just learn about the latest service trends, you've come to the right place. Today, Chris Wolf, VP of Strategy Partnerships, welcomes to Speaking of Service, Jim Brown, president of Tech Clarity, to discuss the seven keys his research has identified to improve service with the Internet of Things. Welcome, listeners, to Speaking of Service. If you're new to our podcast, we welcome you. Uh, we're here to talk about helping services professionals get faster time to value in the services they deliver. If you've been with us a while, then you know intrinsically that service profitability and performance is top of mind for just about every maker of complex equipment. And the technologies available to you today for condition-based monitoring and maintenance have improved leaps and bounds. Uh, but you've asked us to look into the question of how do I get to value faster and what are the guiding principles I should use that other practitioners are using and give me some primary research that can help me shape my strategy and timeline. So with that, I'm delighted to have an expert in that research field join me. Jim Brown, wonderful to have you with us. Uh, just introduce yourself, if you would, and tell us about your firm and the research you're doing. Yeah, well, thank you, Wolfie. I'm excited to be here. And, um, you know, Tech Clarity, uh, we focus on making the business value of technology clear. So there's lots of Great things happening in technology, um, but where we really try and uh, where we really try and focus is how does that move the needle on profitability? How does it move the needle on customer satisfaction? Sort of the business metrics. Um, and I cover our product innovation um, and digital transformation practices. I'm also the founder of Tech Clarity, and we're just uh, just over two years old now. So. And I have to, you know, thank you for using my nickname. I assume with a name like James Brown, you have had a lot of fun stories <laughs> and uses of your name. You know, I was told uh, James is the hardest working man in the software industry. Um, you know, Jim, Jim Brown, uh, James Brown. I, I get uh, not as much anymore now that Jim Carrey has his big long beard, but I used to get uh, people used to say I look like Jim Carrey. So it was. Uh, I, there's never any lack of uh, things to. Uh, to, to poke me in the ribs about, which is fun. Well, we spoke earlier, and I know that you've been in this industry since the days where M2M was a big topic of, of consideration and kind of failure to launch there back in the early James Brown days. Where is the market today? What are What's the adoption look like? Yeah, no, Wolfie, I appreciate the, uh, the reference back. I mean, it, I, I do remember exactly where I was sitting when uh, – I was talking to somebody um, sitting at a conference and it wasn't on the screen. It was actually the person sitting next to me that was super interesting as, as conferences often are, right? It's about the people. And he was talking to me about M2M and machine to machine and, you know, way before now when it's become so much more practical, right? I mean, you know, right now, um, you know, having sensors, the, the cost has dropped, the technology is so much easier, um, but just the, the ability to actually connect across networks then and get machines to talk. I mean, it was hard enough for us to get computers to talk to each other back then, uh, let alone to get machines to talk to each other. And, you know, since then we've learned so much as an industry, we, we can get equipment up and online and talking to each other relatively quickly. We can tie it in enterprise systems, um, you know, and so I, I think we've reached this point where the barriers have dropped um, so that, that, that view and that visibility and the excitement about what could happen to the business 
was valid, but just not really approachable yet. Maybe that's why the failure was failure to launch happened. And now we're there, right? And and what better time? Because if you look at the the economy right now, um, you know, people need to reduce costs. They need to get more out of the assets and maybe actually keep assets running a little bit longer than they had planned. Um, so what better time to uh, to come to uh, this great point uh, where things are uh, really achievable? Jim, we've been talking a lot about condition-based monitoring and maintenance. And you've told me at LiveWorks that just connecting machines doesn't do anything for the business. It's a nice destination to land there, but you really need to incorporate an ecosystem of stakeholders who can monetize that investment. Tell me a little bit more about what your research is showing. Yeah, and actually, we cover a lot of this in the buyer's guide. I mean, what we start with there is to you know start with a strategy. Don't start with connectivity. I mean, yes, you know, we have a, a series of uh, you know seven things you need to be able to do, and one of them is connect equipment, and, and it's important. Um, you know, and, and technology plays a great role there. But the first thing is to start with the business strategy in mind. What's what's going to matter to the business? We see so many you know people that had an IoT initiative. Well, don't have an IoT initiative. Have a quality improvement initiative. Have have a you know an uptime initiative and and IoT and uh, analytics and all of the great technologies should be a part of that. But start with the business in mind, and we actually heard that pretty clearly from the people that we talked to in the research. Solve it. Solve a real problem. Solve something tangible, and then learn how to do that. And in, in a repetitive way, or expand it, expand it to a new new plant, expand it to a new product, expand to uh, maybe measuring some things you weren't measuring before and solving a new problem. Um, but just you know, don't don't go blind into it. Um, you know, with with IT just saying, okay, we need to to do this. You know, get operators involved, get people in there that really know where you know. Hey, if you could tell us, if you could tell us in advance that this is happening. We could uh, we could prevent a shutdown. That means a whole lot more to anybody than connecting your equipment, right? Which which titles of executives and owners of programs are you seeing typically spearheading these kinds of initiatives where you do have to talk with a really broad array of stakeholders? Um, everyone. I mean, it, it is it is all over the map. I don't know if you've seen something different, but uh, I mean, we definitely see. Everything from chief technology officers, chief innovation officers, um, you know, getting involved and saying, hey, we're going to fundamentally change our business around this. Um, but also, uh, you know, VPs of service, uh, you know, people that are uh, in, in any sort of an operations role. Um, you know, it's, it's always interesting to talk to somebody that whether they're on the service side or whether they're on the manufacturing side, whether it's their equipment that they're uh, that they're you know maintaining or if it's somebody else's equipment and maybe they're a third-party service provider or the manufacturer, um, you know, everybody's got a little bit, a little bit different take in terms of what the role is. Um, but, you know, it, it has moved up to the point where it has a lot of visibility. Um, hopefully not moved up to the point where it's just, you know, somebody read something in a trade journal or, or you, know, uh, you know, somewhere in their newsfeed and they're like, oh, we have to have that IoT stuff. You know, hopefully it's... Uh, it, you know, and, and the thing that I love right now about where we are, Wolfie, is that it's not just, you know, somebody read I should do IoT. It's somebody talking to somebody at a conference and saying, hey, you know what? We were really able to make a difference um, in our, you know, in our response to, uh, you know, in our, in our response to service calls or our uptime or our OEE or whatever it was. 
In good times, I think the conversation was all about improving customer experience and workforce experience. In lean times, everybody's talking to us today about how to save money and how to deliver service more profitably, more cost-effectively. Where are you seeing that balance right now? Is, is one leading more than the other? Well, everybody, I mean, cost cost is perennial, right? I mean, we've never, we've never, every, you know, very few times where people aren't trying to manage cost. Um, but it, it gets so much more important right now when things are a little bit tighter. And, you know, coming into this year, people may have been thinking, hey, you know, maybe, maybe this isn't the year for that new piece of capital equipment. Maybe this is the year that we're going to hold off and get the most out of the equipment that we have. And, you know, in those cases, you know, maybe there's a, maybe there's a, uh, you know, maybe there's a way to get more out of that piece of equipment by maintaining it better, get more, you know, or maybe even just tweaking it to get better performance out of it. On the other hand, if you're the manufacturer and you want to sell that piece of equipment, maybe it's time to start thinking about, hey, people can't, you know, people can't reach that uh, capital outlay. Maybe it's time to start, you know, giving them sort of a, a product as a service and give them that package that says. You know, we're going to give you, you know, whatever stamp, you know, stampings or or whatever, you know, whatever the the equipment does, we're going to give you thousands of those per month, guaranteed at this price, and you don't have to buy the capital equipment at all. And by the way, we'll maintain it when it's uh, supposed to be maintained. And by the way, when it gets old, you know what? We'll be the ones to come in and replace it because it'll be important to us as the equipment manufacturer because we're we're selling you throughput instead of selling you equipment. Uh, maybe it's time to make that transition as well. I mean, that's a uh, that's a crafty play that gets people through a, a tough economic time, right? You know, I grew up in the IT industry working for a service provider, and the notion of delivering capabilities as a service really required us rethinking how we worked as a business and a lot of cultural change in addition to the front office and back office change. How are you seeing early adopters try and pursue that kind of consumption economics and, and offer creation when they are standing on the shoulders of very long-standing businesses? Well, yeah, long-standing businesses and financial systems that weren't, weren't made to, you know, to, to, to accommodate that, right? I mean, in, in the IT industry, moving over to SaaS and cloud, um, I was on some of our very, very early conversations before cloud, um, you know, and this is 20 plus years ago, we were trying to move to a subscription model, you know, at the time. And we looked at it and our CFO just said, no, he said, uh, you know, it, it'll tank the financials because we have, uh, you know, we have sales revenue coming in from the, you know, the big sale, whether it's software, whether that's a piece of capital equipment. Everything was tied to that. How we did in a quarter was tied to that. And then all of a sudden you say you're going to take out those big, you know, yes, you're taking out the swings, but you're taking out those big chunks of revenue. And, you you know, and I think now we're starting to see the financial markets, CFOs, investors be a little bit more savvy and say, okay, we now understand what that transition looks like. Um, but maybe a little less so in the, uh, you know, in the heavy equipment industry, for example, um, you know, it's just not not as common to see financials take those kind of changes, um, you know, and it changes your, how do you compensate your salespeople, right? It changes, you know, like you said, it, it just ripples through uh, the entire business when you, when you look at those kind of things. Um, but it makes service that much more important, right? Because service is definitely not an afterthought at that point, because it's, it's your own money you're spending. <laughs> 
Now, trend-wise, um, are you seeing that users of uh, heterogeneous heavy equipment are creating their own systems of systems to try and manage that estate? And are they looking for plug-and-play connectivity from their providers? Or, or do you still see that the OEMs are pred predominantly delivering the data and analytics and some sort of a services uh, offering platform to their end customers? Yeah, I, I wish I could say we're seeing one trend or the other. I mean, there's still so many, so many people trying different things, and I, I just don't think we've settled yet on what's going to make sense. And, and what makes sense for a larger business is probably not going to make sense for a smaller business. But you know, heterogeneity is is real. I mean, you know, nobody's going to go out and say, "Oh, well, you know, I want to improve my service strategy, so I'm going to only have machines from this one this one uh, you know equipment builder." Right? I mean, it's the machines are in there to do what the machine's job is and services to keep it doing its job. You're not going to go and just rip and replace uh, a whole bunch of capital equipment because it operates on a different network, right? I mean, it's just, you know, it, it's not going to happen. And so there's always going to be that heterogeneity. And I, and I think, I think we're starting to see fewer people try and roll their own, you know, build a, you know, build their own solution. I think people are really starting to understand the value of a, a platform, the value of something that maybe doesn't come directly from the, the OEM, maybe doesn't, uh, you know, come from, you know, associated with any one particular particular piece of equipment, but it sort of extends across those things and has connectivity. And, you know, to me, the more we can get towards plug and play, but the more you can get towards something that allows you to have one lens and one view on that sort of wild west, you know, heterogeneous world, I, I think is great. Um, you know, and I think we're we're definitely heading uh, more in that direction. Um, you know, is everybody there? No. Is everybody agreed that that's where they should be? No. Do I think that's kind of where we're going to end up? I do. I mean, you know, you know, if I was an OEM, I would definitely want people on my system, but I would also, you know, definitely understand that they're going to be wanting to manage their own equipment as well. And maybe they'll have a third party service provider. So unless I'm, you know, one size just never fits all, right? You know, I spend a lot of time with our clients and I'm seeing some of our OEM clients managing not just their own devices that they've manufactured, but looking to manage those neighboring devices in the same field, you know, as a, to be a more captive audience of customers and for takeover purposes. So. Yeah, that was one of the first uh, one of the first interviews that I I did early in the as we started covering at Tech Clarity started covering uh, service and, and IoT. It was an Irish company and uh, equipment manufacturer, and they basically just said, "We are starting to see our competitors saying, don't worry, we can monitor their equipment for you.'" And that scared them. <laughs> They're like, "Wait a minute! Like, we don't know what's going on." with our equipment and in our customers. And, you know, it's sort of, I, I wrote a blog post a long time ago about saying goodbye to your equipment. You know, once it's like, all right, bye-bye, you know, have a nice life. And instead, now we're staying involved in it. But they were okay with that. Okay, bye-bye. And, you know, let us know when you need a new one until they're like, oh, wait a minute. Now our competitor is watching how they're using our equipment. They know when our equipment is down. And when that equipment's ready to be replaced, who are they gonna call? They're gonna call us? Well, no, they would probably already have gotten an inbound uh, conversation from their competitors saying, hey, you know what? We know you're not getting really out of that piece of equipment. 
what you want. But, uh, you know, this, this other piece over here in this other plant that we sold you seems to be working really well, right? They, they that scared them. Um, and rightfully so, because uh, you don't, you don't necessarily want, uh, you know, I, I don't need to tell you, Wolfie, you know, you know how strategic services become. So, well, if I hearken back to your namesake, the football player, Jim Brown, I mean, he understood you have to play offense and you have to play defense. You need to go out and <laughs> capture new business and defend your flank. Um, but you also have to be very pragmatic. I know in your seven things write up, you interviewed a lot of primary stakeholders and you have some very pragmatic recommendations for our listeners on how to get started. Take me through maybe number one and two. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I, I think the first one we talked about a little bit already, which is start with the business in mind. Do something that's important that if you're successful at your, uh, you know, if you're successful, that you're actually going to move the needle on the business. You're going to, you know, not only say, wow, we had a successful project. People are going to be going, I, wow, we've got better uptime, right? Or wow, remember that, you know, that piece of machinery that used to always go down? It's not going down anymore. Right. Or, you know, hey, our service revenue is up this quarter. How about we give uh, how about we give everybody bonuses? Right. That's what you want. Um, um, the thing that I think is important and, and we talk about this in the in the ebook in terms of being pragmatic is it's, it's not just about the software. It's a buyer's guide. And we definitely talk about things to look for. It's not an exhaustive you know, RFP list of make sure that the unit of measures can cover all of your unit. Of, I mean, it's. It's not that. It's about the important things that make a difference between success and failure. Um, and we have those that are software oriented. But the other thing is it's important to really make sure that uh, you can implement and, and adopt and support it over the long haul. And so there's a lot of things that go into that that are not just related to the software. It's about, for example, your, your, the partner that you choose to work with, the software vendor. It's about their ecosystem. Are you going to be able to get the training that you need? Are you going to be able to get the support that you need? Um, is it going to be in all the global locations that you need it, in the languages that you need it? Um, you know, and I think those things, a lot of times people get enamored by a really cool technology and they forget about the fact that they have to implement, adopt, and support it over the long haul. And that that partner that you have is incredibly important. And that partner should be more than just a technology provider. They need to understand your business and they need to, they should understand your industry as well. So, you know, when you find somebody and they say, well, we've done this, you know, for a hundred banks, well, that's great. But if you're not a bank, you're not that interested in it. You know, if they've done it for, you know, point of sales machines, okay, well, they've probably learned some things about it, but I have printing presses, right? You know, I have CNC machines, I've got lathes. Like, I don't want somebody that knows how to support you know, a point of sales machine. I want somebody that has done what I need to do in an environment that, you know, is not necessarily as friendly as a retail storefront, right? And so to me, it's about getting that right partner that they have the right ecosystem and, uh, and all of our buyer's guides focus on that. I, I think that's just such an important thing not to get enamored with the technology. Well, you've been reading my diary. Um, our team has been investing in trying to build solutions that are inclusive of the edge infrastructure with pre-validated designs for ThingWorks and some of our solutions, uh, incorporating professional and ongoing support services into a bundle, ideally wrapped in a commercial wrapper that will give predictability of cost and allow our factories to procure this on an OPEX basis. 
you know, these are early days for us, but I think we're seeing that trend of interest from our customers in building blocks that can reduce risk, speed time to value. And it sounds like your research has shown the same thing. Yeah, I definitely in concurrence. I mean, I, I think a lot of what you're a lot of what you're doing right now is is based on reacting to the market, reacting to your customers that are asking for the same things that we're seeing. And, um, you know, and I, and I think it shows. And so, um, yeah, I think we're uh, very well aligned and continue. We'll, we'll continue to watch what you guys are doing and um, excited about it. So, Jim, thank you for being with us. You know, Tech Clarity has been an important influencer on the PTC strategy, and I personally have appreciated your references to ecosystems. That's the, what we're embracing as a partnership model at PTC is understanding our customers' ecosystems and how we can play con and contribute positively to those. Um, for our listeners, I invite you to come learn more about speaking of service and Tech Clarity's research. If you go to ptc.com slash Speaking of service, you'll see the whole litany of these podcasts and specifically ways you can link with Jim and get more information about the tips he's given. Jim, thank you so much for being our guest. Thank you for including me. I really enjoyed it, Wolfie. Thanks for listening to the Speaking of Service podcast brought to you by PTC. If you enjoyed this episode, please subscribe wherever you get your podcasts and leave a rating or review. And be sure to check out other episodes to hear new perspectives on improving life for aftermarket professionals, service teams, and the customers they support. If you have a topic of interest or want to provide feedback, email us at speakingofservice@ptc.com at ptc.com or visit us at ptc.com slash speakingofservice.